Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to This Could Be Good. Uh, today's episode is a little bit different for people who are watching it on uh, some kind of video platform. The studio has changed. I have uh, set it up to be a little bit more comfortable, uh, a little bit more open. It's nice to have this space. I got new chairs. These are going to get redone. Uh, I can sit back and kind of be uh, be like a grandpa, you know, and today's episode, I'm going to going to be a grandpa and I'm going to tell you a little story. I am uh, alone today, so I get to tell you about me. And uh, I do this out of Mason City. Uh, I'm a new person to Mason City, and I'm really a new person to Iowa in general. And uh, we'll get back, we'll get into how I kind of got here. And we'll start that story way back in my home of Rogue River, Oregon. Trying to get a little bit more comfortable here. Doing a solo podcast is a little strange. Um, so I'm from Oregon originally. And, you know, you know, <laughs> it's such a fat moment when, like, you've walked up the stairs, like, not even exerting yourself and you're just out of breath. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here trying to capture my own damn breath. And all I did was walk up some stairs. I've uh, really slacked on the gym and everything, but we'll get back to it. But to the story, I, uh, I'm originally from Oregon, and what got me here was the Army. So I'm going to tell you the little story about how I got into the Army. So my whole life, I've questioned government. I've fought my dad tooth and nail about it. Uh, always thought that the military was up to nefarious things. And right around my senior year of high school, I had these plans that ultimately fell through. I spent a year out of high school being a loser. You know, I, I lost a lot of good friends. I kind of got isolated, became a, a nobody. Um, I had some friends. Uh, what kind of allows me to do all this, uh, like the video, the audio, is back then I was really into music uh, and producing music with some friends. So I picked up some tricks along the way, watching them do it watching how music videos were made and all that. So I lost those group of friends and we went, not we went, but I went off to go do my own thing. I had a, a small group of friends that I, uh, I just recorded music for them, you know? Uh, and I was doing nothing but that. I was working at a restaurant, recording music on the side, hoping I don't know what for. I didn't really want to make it in music at all. And I was just a loser. I was drinking a lot, you know, underage drinking because I'm, I'm 18 at this point. And I developed quite a problem, you know, and I just, that's all I did. I worked, I drank, I did music for these people and drank. I mean, that's really all it was. It was a year of that, you know, I moved out of my parents' house, thought that I was on my own. Um, but well, I was on my own and just made dumb decisions. And I was going nowhere. You know, and one day, the uh, a flyer came in through the mail saying, uh, you know, have you thought about service? And I thought about it for a second. I was like, well, this might be the thing that I do. Uh, most people, you know, a lot of people that I met in the Army, they've, like, had this desire to serve their whole life. They idolized the military. They thought it was honorable. And it is, you know, it is, it's something that barely anybody in the country does. I mean, the military is large, but in comparison to the population, it's, 
the service members are so small. I think it's like 1 million and there's 300 million people here. So I never really had that like idea. I thought of it as my ticket out of trouble before I got into trouble. And so I went, you know, I just went into the recruiting office. I had told them I'm kind of a mess up. They were like, do you have anything on your record? I was like, no. And they're like, perfect. And they took me. Um, so I left my home of uh, Oregon and went to Sacramento, California, so not too far. Uh, went through the military entrance. I don't know. They call it MEPS. I don't really know what the acronym like stands for anymore. It's like the military entrance something. Uh, you just get medically examined and then ship out from there. Uh, from there, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia and began my time in basic, left basic, uh, went to AIT. Uh, and what I specifically did in the military was I, uh, I was a forward observer, which is actually the coolest job in the world. Um, I mean, there's cooler. Okay. But for the army, this is a pretty cool one. Like you, you're like in the middle, nobody like you're with an artillery battery, but you get sent to the infantry companies and like, you get to play this limbo game of nobody really knows who's in charge of you. So you would make up your own things to do and you'd all just go and kind of, I mean, you do your job, you do your training and you do your own things. Those were painful experiences sometimes, but other times you just rolled around with your buddies with barely any oversight, you know, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that job was cool. So if you don't know what a forward observer is, it's, it's somebody who goes out kind of like, if you think about scouting and the scouts in the military, kind of similar, they go ahead of the line, they look out, they identify targets, they identify enemy positions. They, they have a whole understanding of the battlefield, you know, where the friendlies lie, where the enemy lies, um, and you collect targeting data to send back. And if you're in the middle of a, of an actual fight or a tick is what they like to call it, you send that targeting data and you fight it yourself. So, I mean, you're basically just a nerd who calls up over a radio and sends a message saying like, Hey, drop bombs here. And then you, you adjust it. It's, it's really interesting to see. I mean, nothing's cooler than, you know, you being out there, you see a target, you call it, and then you hear a one five, five millimeter freaking bomb come over the top of you you can hear it and then you watch it smack into the ground uh, but there's more than that the the idea of the job is that you're the eyes and um yeah you're the eyes of the battlefield and specifically they call them the eyes of death we had a whole little weird song i don't want to nerd out too much on military stuff but another part of the job was you got to mess with aircraft I mean, like you got to work with Apaches, you got to work with A-10s. Uh, I'd seen an F-16 get used once. I don't think we had anything to do with that. And and that's where you kind of have a mixture of uh, you, you. the Army works with it and the Air Force works with it. Now, the coolest job in the world is being a JTAC. Uh, these are the people who actually clear uh, heavy weapons, like big payloads to go down and blow up whatever you're looking at. I'm like in my head trying to think like, what can I say and what can't I say? But I think this is all general knowledge, you know, a, a JTAC will go out there and verify. They double check your work, make sure everything's good and they will clear the ground. And it was a dope, dope job. 
I mean, like in reality, if I'm being honest, I only did my job like three days out of the three and a half years I was in the military, but those three days, what a rush, you know, getting to watch A-10s, getting to watch rounds go down range. It was neat. Uh, the military was a really good experience. I I look back on it, and there's a lot of painful memories, but there's a lot of really good memories, you know. Uh, and it it's very true. The sad thing that happens is, like, you develop these very strong bonds with individuals. And I don't like, you've got family bonds, but there's something that's way different about a military bond. You know, like, you guys really, I never went to war. You know, so all my stuff is through like, man, this is bullshit. We've got to stay outside for three days, you know, like not in war, but like you still develop this bond that is so deep, you know, just because you have these similar, you've gone through the, the same stuff and then you, you all branch away, you know, like we spent nine months in Korea together and Korea is nothing crazy. Um, used to have this. Well, not really used to. I still do. But this running bit, I'm trying to make a joke out of it. But the idea is I, you know, I really went to Korea and partied for nine months, not like out in Korea, but with my friends, you know, we got together. We'd, uh, ah, man, one Thanksgiving, we had, uh, we had four different rooms cooking multiple things at once for Thanksgiving. And of course, cracking beers, having a good time. Um, but we all went to Korea for nine months and there was a portion in Korea where we were out in the field for, I think, 90 days. I think 90 days. One of my army buddies is going to listen to this and say, you motherfucker, I wasn't there. You weren't there for 90 days. I had it easier. The company that I was in, I didn't have to suffer like the rest of them. I was just really lucky. But uh, we were out there for 90 days and it was, you know, it was a lot of work. Um a lot of cold nights. There's a there's one particular story my buddy wanted to talk about. Like, um, so we drove Bradleys, and we were because uh, we were an armored unit down in Fort Hood. So we had Bradleys, tanks, all this. We're mechanized warfare, and we're we're taking the Bradleys out to go do a live gunnery shoot. And before this, we had sent our Bradleys to go and get maintenance done on them by the mechanics and my Bradley didn't quite get finished and we didn't know that. So what happened is we're driving up this very steep hill to the live fire range and you're in a convoy. I've got alpha companies, Bradley in front of me. Um, the one in front of that is Bravo's. I don't know why ABC, but this was B B A C cause I was Charlie company. So it goes Bravo company, alpha company, Charlie company, Bradley's we're all rolling together. And we're going up the steep hill and then we come down this steep hill and you don't need to hit the gas in a track vehicle. It'll just roll. Um, and it'll stop itself. Um, I don't know how the mechanics work, but it'll just stop itself on the roll down. Mine didn't mine kept going. And there was a point I'm driving and they're like, Hey, slow down. Cause you've got your leadership up in the turret. I'm in the driver and you're, you've all got a headset on. And they're like, Hey, you need to slow down. And I'm like, I am not doing anything, you know, like the Bradley's not slowing down on its own. And uh, they, uh, there's an emergency in the Bradley where you've got a brake, you don't hit it. It's an engine brake. 
uh, it'll stop you dead in your tracks. You got to warn everybody so they don't smack their head and get a concussion or die or whatever. And they were like, okay, hit the brakes. And so I hit the brakes and that's what the mechanics forgot to connect. So I hit the brakes and I had to relay over the, uh, the intercoms of like, there's nothing, nothing here. <laughs> like, we are rolling downhill. And like I said, it's Bravo Alpha Charlie. I'm Charlie in the back in front is Alpha. And when I told him that there was no brakes, it just went dead silent. And there's a reason for that. Cause when you crash a Brad, it's, uh, it's not good. Uh, a lot of, uh, there's actually a lot of fatalities, uh, that correlate with Bradley crashes. It's very, very common for people to die in one of these. So that's kind of in everybody's in, in the back of their minds. And, uh, me, I'm new to the unit. I just got in here a couple months ago. I just learned how to drive a Bradley, you know, and they're like, you're good to go. And, uh, I was not good to go. And, Nobody was telling me what to do. And all I did was I veered off to the side uh, and was going towards this ditch. Uh, and so the two options were smack into the back of the Bradley where I know that there are other people in it or veer off to the left where there's this big ditch and I fall into it and risk my crew. I went with the ladder. I was like, it'd be better to kill three people than nine. And uh, we all made it, you know, and... <laughs> It got swept under the rug. Like it, one of these situations is a big deal. And uh, if there's anything I got to say about the army is when things are a big deal, they like to sweep them under the rug. I mean, we know that through the constant cases that came out of Fort Hood, which is my home base, uh, that leadership would rather not have things said. So we just all kept it quiet. Um, and months later, when we got some new leadership within the uh, within our unit, uh, they heard about the story and, uh, I'll shout out Wendell, uh, captain, captain Wendell. I won't dox his entire name, but he fought to try to get me a certain medal for that because I, no leadership, brand new idiot into the army, uh, made a good call and saved lives. Um, so tooting my own horn there, but I never got the medal, but that <laughs> my buddy was talking about, they, they like to hear. Uh, some of the stories retold and those are fond stories but the thing that sucks is like nobody else really understands them or gets that you know somebody's probably sitting there being like this is a fucking boring story and to be honest it probably is I, i'm just kind of flying off the rails here um but it's a good story for me it's one of my favorite uh, my second favorite is actually the same guy who liked that story one of my hands down favorite moments of witnessing anything in the military was we were out at the motor pool. Hold on, I got to check the time. All right, we're good. We're out at the uh, motor pool, and I come walking up onto where my vehicle is and um, th the rest of the team's vehicles. And the rest of the team are down there. My buddy, uh, his name, uh, don't want to dox it, but I'll just say Bailey. Got to protect his last name. Uh, he's down there, and he, uh, I come down. And he's, he's down there already and I'm walking down and I can hear my NCO yell, like our platoon sergeant, he yells and I don't know what he yells, um, at all, but I then see Bailey take off in a dead sprint coming towards me and another guy, a really short fat guy, which is hilarious to see 
a very short, fat guy sprint faster than you've ever seen anyone sprint. But they're sprinting together and they're coming towards me. Now, the short, fat guy um, cleared the tank barrel that was uh, in his way. You know, his head went right under it. And my friend Bailey just knocked it. And it was a cartoon moment, dude. (laughs) Like the dude, he... His brain checked out, but his legs kept going. You know, the legs didn't clock out and he just kept running up. And uh, man, I think that was like his 12th concussion. And Bailey, if you're out there, um, I hope your brain's doing all right. Because God dang, that was a you could hear it. And then the running joke after that was that tank was broke down and it was specifically the barrel. And so he got the street cred of being a guy who could take a barrel out with uh, his forehead which I, as cool as that sounds, it also sounds like an insult because it means you got a thick head. Miss you, Bailey. Few, few good stories there. Like I said, this is a weird journey. This is weird for me. I'm sitting here talking to nobody, but you're listening to me talk to you. It's a very strange moment and we're all going to get through it. Uh, we're all going to be just fine. I guess we'll move on. You know, I, I ended up kind of getting pushed out of the military, like not pushed by the military itself, but um, just certain actions that uh, I didn't quite like, you know, I mean, the military's tough in general. I mean, your life's not certain. Well, okay. Yeah, that's guaranteed. But I mean, like you don't get to choose where you're going most of the time. Um, you are in a constant state of you're home now, you're out in the field this time, you're deploying it this time. Uh, I know some guys that, you know, they'll come off of a rotation. Okay, specifically, I knew one guy who got stationed in Korea. That was two years. You do two years in Korea. Uh, And then he got a, a duty station change and he went down to Fort Hood, Texas. And in two months uh, after getting there, they were deploying to Korea. So like, you see what I'm getting at? Like you may get to go to where you want because I think he wanted that. But then he went back to another place. You're, you're never really certain what's going to happen. I didn't like that. I'm definitely a scheduled person. I freak out uh, when things don't go to plan uh, internally. I just lose it. So that kind of pushed me out. Um, another thing was I was trying to go to school. And I will never forget this moment uh, with my battalion commander. And if you don't know what that is, battalion commander is like the highest person you could be able to talk to in your rank structure before it's like you shouldn't be talking to this person, you know. And I wanted to go. It, it was coming up to my time to reenlist. And I was talking to they call them a retention NCO. They're the people who either keep you or you tell you're not going to stay. And right when the conversation started with the guy, I, uh, I was saying I really wanted to go to school, but it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't working out for me. And then the battalion commander had walked in right at that moment. And he was like, Hey, are you reenlisting? And I was like, Hey, sir, I don't know. Um, I, I really, I do kind of enjoy my time in the army, but I I really want to go to school. Like that's what would work for me here is I want to get my education while I'm in and also get an education once I get out into the future. And I was telling the guy who could make this work for me, what will work for me to keep me here. I didn't want to go anywhere else. I liked Fort Hood. And um, I was just telling him that. And he had looked me dead in the eye 
after I had said, it's really hard to go to school because we train. And right here, I'm trying to get him to like maybe work with me to keep me. And he just looked at me. He's like, yeah, that's true. We do train a lot. And then he left. And uh, and it's that kind of like that kind of atmosphere I didn't like because it was like it definitely showed that I get it. The military has rules. Uh, the military has a structure. Uh, you don't always get what you want, you know, but for it to just kind of be an in your face. Yeah, that sucks. Get out of here. That was like, OK, I I don't I guess a feeling of value. I don't feel like my service would be valued. I felt like it did pretty good in the military. If anyone uh, any of my buddies want to counter that, go ahead and at me on all the socials. But I felt like I was a good enough soldier to retain um, kind of maybe in a later solo talk. We'll talk about my downfalls. Um but I didn't like that. I didn't like that I had told my problem to the specific guy that could help me, maybe not give me everything that I wanted, but could have worked out something with me or taken it into consideration, you know, just giving me a better answer and a more tactful answer than that sucks for you guy. And then lost me, you know, cause I was out of there and, uh, losing me is what got me to Iowa. Um, and I don't really know if I want to derail into that conversation of Iowa. It's a pretty boring, it's a boring topic. I'm, I'm, I just came here to work for the government again, you know, and that's funny. I started this whole thing saying I've had my, um, my suspicions of the government and, uh, I've told you nothing about the times I've worked for the government, you know, but that's all I did. I, I left the army. I took another government job that brought me to Iowa uh, that government job sent me all over this state, which then landed me right here, smack dab in good old Mason City, which, you know, I hear a lot of things about it uh, from the people who do live here, uh, that it's awful, it sucks, it's whatever. Um, man, I'm from a small town with 3,000 people in it. 70% of those people are retired and you never see them. So you just see the same old five people that you know that work at the coffee shop, the gas station, and the convenience store. You know, this town ain't so bad compared to other places. I would even argue that this place is better than uh, Killeen, Texas. Like, and Killeen is the city outside of Fort Hood. Man, when I got to Fort Hood, so I had heard that the issue with Fort Hood, it was getting worse. Like, Fort Hood's got a long history of, of not violent history, but just, not good on the crime statistics. And after Hurricane Katrina pushed everybody up north, people started coming into Katrina, uh, not into Katrina, into Killeen. And of course, that meant, you know, more people, more chances for crime and the crime rate just skyrocketed. And I specifically remember a story like there's this nice place um, called, oh man, is it, is it Harker Heights? Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 so, like, you've got in the Fort Hood area, you've got Killeen, Harker Heights. Um, Harker Heights is like the ritzy, nice. It's where every officer had lived. And uh, just one day in the middle of, like, the biggest intersection, uh, you've got a Best Buy, uh, a Firestone, uh, like, uh, just an ordinary place. Right in the middle of that intersection, just gang members freaking firing off. And you, like, I don't know, like it just didn't scream that kind of place, you know, where you just have a, a gunfight in the middle of a town. Um, but my first experience in, in Killeen was I was setting up a PO box and 
I'm I'm at the post office and I, I'm getting my P.O. box and some guy came up to me. He was like, hey, man, you want to buy some jet skis? And I, I, was, I don't know when somebody's looking for jet skis, but it's definitely not when you're at the post office, you know. But I really admired that he thought that I could afford jet skis. You know, I I can't. Those seem very expensive. I mean, I showed up coming out of an Uber like what? I didn't even have a car. How was I going to get these jet skis? And I, I doubt he was actually going to give me jet skis. I mean, I don't know where he was leading me, but the neighborhood just looked a little bit sketchy, you know. But that was kind of the Fort Hood area. Um, it's a great place. Uh, that's what they used to call it. But now they call it Fort Cavazos. That's, that's funny because that's after the whole big media thing went on about it. Um, with the whole Vanessa, I think Vanessa Guyan, I don't want to mess up her name. Uh, that's disrespectful. I did, uh, watch everything that went on there, but it's been so long since, uh, um, since I've looked into it. I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but like they changed Fort Hood to Fort Cavazos. So had, and that's just so funny. I mean, you didn't really solve anything. You changed the name, but you like, didn't change the culture, you know, like the thing that would actually make the change. Um, I wonder what has got Fort Hood all riled up, you know? I mean, of course you've got your normal everyday problems that come from cities with a bigger population, but like, I don't know. It's a nice area. I mean, you got a lot to do, a lot to see. I don't understand why you got to kill people down there. I mean, like the last time I was down there, like they had just found like three bodies and then I left, you know? I mean, and that's kind of like, it's kind of like the joke you can say, like a lot of people served in the Fort Hood, but in reality, a lot of people survived Fort Hood and a lot of people didn't. Rest in peace to those guys. Well, like I said, this is uh this is a new thing for me. I've never solo podcast. Um, I enjoy it though. I'm definitely somebody who likes to continuously talk uh, and ramble on. It's much different without having somebody here, though. I'll be quite honest. Like, I'm used to reactions. It feels kind of weird to, like, giggle at my own stories. But, oh, well. I hope some of you enjoyed it. I hope some of you listen. I hope some of you reach out, actually. It would uh, it would be really cool to to kind of hear if any of you got stories. And to my buddies who do tune in to the podcast, remind me of more. I especially love the stories of when all of us got hurt. Uh, there are definitely some, there's some stories that I do have in the chamber that I don't know if they're safe to put online. Um, it's, it's amazing. You like, sometimes you're there for certain things and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that. I don't know. If you catch me out and about and you want to know that story, I'll tell it to you in person, but I don't know if it's ready for the internet yet, but there's definitely a very dark story that's out there. And it's really funny actually too. Um, not what happened, but just like the events after it, man, that's got to suck for you guys to listen to me say, wow, this is a pretty great story. Too bad. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, but anyway, I'm about to wrap up and get out of here. I hope you enjoyed Whatever this was, a short little 30-minute solo, a look into some of my stories. Hopefully, I'll get better at presenting them. You know, I just kind of walked in blind here, and hopefully I get just a little 
just a little, a little more. You get a little bit more of me, you know, just come and dig it out of me. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please like, subscribe, find it anywhere. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. Just look up This Could Be Good. It's on the sign that I forgot to turn on. That's great. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I think I'm going to bounce out of here. Hope you all have a great rest of your Tuesday. <laughs>